Good morning. Joining me now, I have Dan Zilski. He is the vice chair of the Mankato Powwow. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Now, you told me before we started chatting here on the air that you have been a part of this powwow for over 25 years. That is true. That is true. I've been here for maybe even 27 or so now. Well, talk about your involvement in this. How did you get involved? How long has this been in existence? Well, the powwow itself uh, first started in 1972, and it was at uh, currently what is the baseball field for the Moondogs is the first place that they had it. And uh, it took them about four years to get everything ready and get going. And that very first powwow uh, up at the baseball diamond, um, at, during grand entry for the first day, 38 eagles came and circled the, the uh, field for about two hours. Was this planned? Oh, no. How do you plan an eagle? Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, like doves, they release doves and things. So, that seriously, 38 38 eagles. 38 eagles, yes. That gives me some chills, actually. Yes, yes. Let's talk about the significance of the powwow. Why is it significant here in Mankato, for those who may not know? The Mankato powwow is significant for a number of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, it started when a friendship between Bud Lawrence and Amos Owen came about and uh, they would get together and uh, bring the kids together and stuff like this and because uh, Bud was a part of the YMCA and uh, Amos then would teach things and and uh, they had a really good relationship. Well Bud had asked if we could uh, bring a powwow to Mankato. Now technically a powwow is a Indian ceremony and in 1972 that would have still been illegal because the Native American religion was illegal until 1978 when Jimmy Carter signed the the Freedom of Religion Act. So people couldn't even practice, but by that time they weren't, you know, they they weren't throwing people in jail for for dancing and stuff. I was not aware of that. Yes, they, yes. In uh, before our powwow and before the uh, signing of the of it by Jimmy Carter, the natives would actually hold it inside somebody's home. They'd put blankets up over the windows so that nobody could see what was going on. And they would drum down in the basement and they would dance upstairs and they would do do all of the little ceremonies and stuff that they do uh, like at a regular powwow. But they did it all behind curtains because if the sheriff or somebody drove by, they could arrest them and throw them in jail for having said a prayer. I did not know that. That must have been a very noisy basement. (laughs) It could, yes, yes. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Well, so then why did they decide to, why Carter? What was it that that happened in that era that when he was president that made that change? Well, if you remember right, it's the same time as uh, the second Wounded Knee uh, uprising that would have happened where the American Indian movement came in to Wounded Knee and took over uh, the area and stuff there. And then the FBI came to try to uh, literally to destroy American Indian movement, but uh, they came in to 
in their words, break them up. And so they brought in the military, and uh, they got in a, in a, quite a few firefights over about a three-week period. Uh, in fact, there's a very famous uh, video footage of a, uh, what we call a small armored personnel tank with a heavy gun on it, uh, shooting down into a ditch where native, peop- native warriors were laying down on the ground and uh, covering from, from that. And uh, uh, Amos Owen's son, uh, Art Owen, was one of those natives who was being pinned down by the uh, military. But he was also a military person himself, and it didn't phase him being shot at. So, Now, are Amos Owen and Bud Lawrence from Mankato? I know that they were active in Mankato, so talk a little bit about that relationship and how that happened. Well, Bud Lawrence is was from Mankato here, right. and uh, he was working with the YMCA and things. Uh, Amos Owen uh, is actually from Prairie Island. Okay. And the Prairie Island community. And it when they first met, it was because Bud had taken his uh, Boy Scout group up to uh, Prairie Island to go fishing by the uh, power plant up there mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's how he bumped into, into Amos the first time. And they became friends right away, and, and uh, his family still called still calls him uh, Uncle Bud. Now, when this started in 1972, you mentioned this Mankato powwow. Was it controversial back then to start something like this here in in the town since it was technically illegal? Uh, Well, most people didn't realize it was illegal. And I really don't even know if the city council understood that that it it, uh, technically would have fallen in if the FBI wanted to be rude about it. But uh, but we don't, uh, you know, things are things were coming about, and 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 uh, there was more freedoms to to the native peoples. Uh, you know, if you go back to the twenties, it was really bad, and then you know by the fifties it starts to mellow out a little bit, and then when you have Native Americans in the Vietnam War who are uh, coming home with you know uh, silver stars and. Congressional Medals of Honor and all these different types of medals and stuff like that for uh, their duty uh, and serving their duty. And that's that's kind of when America realized that uh, really, and still to this day, about uh, anywhere between 25 and 50 percent of the young Native males will go into the military because to their culture, being a veteran is a very special thing because you're serving your people. Dan, what is your interest? How did you become involved more than a, a quarter century ago? Uh, originally, I got involved because I was here at Mankato State, and I was in the uh, I had finished a uh, undergrad in anthropology, and I was getting my master's degree, uh, and I was also at that time uh, getting a master's degree in music, uh, mostly to prove my high school band teacher wrong. <laughs> And uh, I was writing, I wanted to write a requiem for the 38, and I wanted to write it in Dakota. And so I, uh, I was told to go to the powwow club meeting, and so I went to a meeting, and it was held in the Hardys that used to be up here and, and actually kind of right next door right to this campus, building. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway... Um, I went there and as the I, I met Bud Lawrence and I asked about it, you know if I could if there was somebody who could translate 
uh, words into Dakota so I could write this piece. And uh, we had Grandma Irma at the time who spoke fluent Dakota and things. But uh, since I, I said it was going to be, you know, it was a requiem, a, a mass for the dead is what a requiem is, um, she decided that I should go and, and talk to Ray Owen, who is uh, Amos's son. Amos would have passed away a couple years before that. Okay. And so that's why I, I never um, got to talk to, to Amos about that. I had actually had met Amos as a little kid when I was about seven years old. Uh, they were doing a uh, gathering over at Pipestone that my mom and dad took me to and stuff. And he gave me the uh, name of Little Bear at that time. Aww. And so it's kind of unique that all these years later I come running, I come run back to the same family again. But we went up to uh, uh, to Ray and uh, we started talking, and and he says, well, he says if you're going to write something like that, you need to know about our people and our our religion first. And so I started in with the sweat lodges and uh, started learning straight from uh, Ray and Art Owen and the Owen family, who then. Uh, you know, led me off to uh, Frank Fool's Grow and and uh, Floyd Hand and a number of other uh, people too that that uh, I learned from. Uh, and the, the I guess the interesting part about that whole story is here, 27 years later, I still have not gotten anybody to translate my oh, no. stuff. <laughs> well, anybody listening out there that knows how to do that, there you go. He's still looking. Well, actually, they're telling me I have to learn the language now. So. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Now, you mentioned the 38. So for people just tuning in saying, what is he talking about? He mentioned 38 eagles, and now he's talking about the 38. Is that why the powwow started in commemoration, remembering them, and talk about what that is? Well, in 1862, uh, there was an uprising here in the Minnesota River Valley uh, from the Badawakatan Dakota people. Uh, they had been promised blankets and food and stuff like this, and all of the blankets and the food actually got shipped to the Civil War wow. and was on its way to Gettysburg and not coming to them. And so they were starving. In fact, there was actually a... Uh, newspaper article in the Redwood Gazette, I think is what it was called at the time, um, that the natives were killing and eating their horses and their dogs and, and their cat, their pets because there was no food. And finally, they, they went to the, to the uh, person who owned the trading store and stuff and, and asked if they could get credit because the, you know, the money was supposed to be coming in. And uh, he told them to go eat grass like their buffalo god. Well, Yikes. <laughs> the first day of the uprising, after the first day of the uprising, they found this man dead out on the prairie, and he had grass stuffed in every orifice of his body uh, and stuff. So that's, that's how literally emotional and painful this whole beginning of the whole thing was. Um, to make a long story short, uh, there was a number of different battles, and finally the native uh, Dakota people uh, surrender at a place called Woods Lake. And at that point, they um, took the males and young men and brought them to Mankato and put them in a prison camp. 
uh, and there were 303 of them that were left. Uh, all of the elders and women and children were taken up to Fort Snelling and interned in a prison camp up there. Uh, in what is now, well, what was our courthouse, our former courthouse, there is actually a room that was in there. And when I worked with the uh, Historical Society, it was the courtroom that uh, all of the 303 who were charged with uh, the war uh, went to receive their sentences and stuff. And uh, anyway, the average time for the entire trial was just under three minutes for each of these members, and every single one of them was found guilty. Uh, and if you think about it, they're, they'd had no representation, you know, because they didn't use lawyers back then. Uh, they didn't speak the language, so they didn't have any idea what was even being said. They were basically just being brought up and, and given the sentence of death. But un- uh, unfortunately for the, that judge, um, Minnesota was not a state yet. And so it had to be okayed by the President of the United States, who happened to be Abraham Lincoln. We all know Lincoln was a lawyer, and so the story goes uh, that one night, uh, after being at Ford's Theater, he went into the office and he actually spent the entire night going through every single one of the uh, uh, 303 people that were supposed to be hung and um, basically reduced reduced the sentences or threw out everything except for 40 individuals, okay, that uh, uh, he, that showed that there may have been some sort of war crimes that may have happened during that time. You know, this is before the Geneva War Crime Invention, so there really technically was no such thing as a war crime. But uh, anyway, he reduces it to 40, uh, out of which there were only 38 who were uh, in Mankato and incarcerated at the time and stuff. So they, they, they let the other, uh, all the other ones go. And uh, uh, then on December 26, uh, 1862, uh, they built a special gallows so that they could hang all 38 of them at the same time. So if you've ever watched uh, Handmaiden's Tale and they have the picture of the, uh, there's a scene there where they're going to hang a bunch of the handmaidens for uprising and stuff. That that type of hanging was done. That's, they're mocking, or they're not mocking it, but they're, Taking, you know, taking the idea of what Imitating happened here idea. in Mankato, okay, and stuff, and, uh, and that was down at the old site where the the Blue Earth County Library is area. Correct? That is exactly where the site is. Is okay. the Blue Earth County Library right on, uh, kind of right w- in the street there between the Buffalo and the library okay. is where the gallows uh, would have set, and and stuff. So, uh, and it's interesting, uh, the people of Mankato actually wanted to have the hanging on Christmas Day for some reason and to celebrate whatever uh, this. But the U.S. Army refused to do it on Christmas Day because they were in a war and and they didn't want any bad luck. So 
That's that's why it's December 26th instead of December 25th is the hanging day. And now the powwow is coming up this weekend. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to kind of, I don't know if commemorates the right word, or just remember. It's a remembrance, and it's a, this is a healing ceremony. Um, that was the one thing that Bud and Amos really wanted was that Mankato could be a place where all nations can come together and feel as one family. Uh, if you look at the Dakota Circle itself, you'll see that there's uh, there's a, one of the directions is colored black, one is colored red, one is colored white, and the other is colored yellow. Uh, Frank Fool's Crow first taught us that those four colors represent the four colors of the human race and that we're all tied together within one circle. Uh, so when uh, when we say... Uh, at the end of our prayers or when we say the end of things we say which means to all our relation and we're supposed to remember that we are all related and so that's what really the Mankato powwow is about is bringing in people from all different nations in order to remember what happened here so that hopefully it'll never happen again that's really what uh, what we want want to have happen so everyone is invited. Now it starts on Friday and it's at the Land of Memories Park, which is in off of Highway 169. And so let's talk a little bit about when it is so when people can come and, and what they can expect to find. Okay, well, um, actually it, it kind of starts tomorrow for uh, oh. for us, the, the committee and people like that, but the general public doesn't come in tomorrow. But For, to, for Friday. They will be in. They, they will be coming in on Friday. Uh, but Thursday night we have what is called the Sweat for the 38, and it's a sweat lodge, uh, and we then go in and uh, we remember the 38. We say all of their names, and you'll probably hear a couple of times throughout the powwow where the names of the 38 will be read off uh, and stuff. And uh, th- so... That starts tomorrow uh, with the first sweat or lunch. tonight, in, in <clears throat> this case, it's pre-recorded. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, the, yeah. We're yeah. Anyway, uh, so then Friday uh, in the morning is Education Day. And now anybody who has been in Mankato School District. My and boys have gone. Had, Very and stuff, interesting, yes. Yes, they get their day down at the powwow. And so that's uh, Friday morning and afternoon. And then Friday evening... Uh, starting about uh, between 6 and 7, uh, we will have then Grand Entry uh, down at Land of Memories Park. And that's the first of the four, uh, what we call the four circles, as it were. What so, is the significance of Grand Entry? Uh, the Grand Entry is, the, the significance is that we're all coming in together. And they, they come, you come in uh, in an order, the first people that are in are the flag carriers uh, and then we have the veteran you know they're veterans first off to be a flag carrier and then you have veterans coming in and then you have uh, the the men different men's groups the different women's groups and then finally the the children's group and then the what we call the tiny tots the are the last group to come in and it, it brings everybody together and the idea is is that once you're all together in that circle you can look around and all these people in that circle they're your relatives I mean these these are people you may not know that you're related to them and stuff but that's that's the significance of, of the grand entry is the bringing of the people together into one circle. 
and then that will be repeated again on Saturday and Sunday. The that so is correct. So other people can come in and be a part of that? That is correct. Uh, uh, Saturday, there will be, the second circle will be uh, starting around 1 o'clock uh, in the afternoon, and then it goes till roughly 5. You know, you never can tell how long it's going to go uh, and stuff. And then there will be a break, and then uh, Saturday night there will be one at 7 o'clock. Okay, and then Sunday uh, afternoon at 1 o'clock again is grand entry, so noon to 1 on Sunday. And then we close up Sunday night and get to clean up the park Monday. Now, there's other things going on along with the grand entry. I, I think that I've seen in the past, because I've been there, they've had f- vendors, um, Native American vendors, and they've got food and, and things like that. So what other activities and things can people expect to, to see and learn about? Well, there there are vendors, there's uh, foods, there's lots. And the one thing with the, our vendors is we require that they do traditional Native American craft and stuff. So uh, you, you come in and you will, you will see beading work. You can get uh, things that you need if you are uh, spiritually inclined to the Red Road as it were uh, there and you can uh, you can get plenty of food and in fact that's one of the big things is you overeat at a powwow kind of like the state fair really kind of like the state <laughs> fair and stuff what kind of foods are there I, I'm not familiar with what might well, be well probably the most famous is the Indian taco oh. and uh, Indian taco is basically made with uh, we, it's called fry bread and it's a Basically, it's just dough that you throw in a uh, thing of lard and you fry it on both sides and it puffs up and makes really nice bread and stuff. Uh, there's also what's called gabugu bread, which is a similar type of a thing. Um, but you have that and then on top of that you put your hamburger and beans and lettuce and tomato and, and it gets to be a nice big round <laughs> pile full of food. and. And that's kind of probably the most famous one. But there'll be buffalo burgers. There'll be other buffalo things. There's uh, corn on the cob at times and stuff like that. Uh, plus there's juices and there will be coffee. And and uh, we got one guy who's bringing in pizzas and stuff. It's, Just you know, in case you don't want a buffalo burger, for example. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there are there are other types of, of cuisine uh, other, other than that but uh, we but f- for the main uh, traditional person there's there's that uh, and stuff so so where do the all the folks that participate in this come from I assume they're Native Americans I mean are they from the Midwest are they from all over or literally all over who come to the powwow to the, those uh, I would say those that kind of are on the committee and kind of put everything together are really from uh, the Dakota, Lakota, Ho-Chunk, uh, and Anishinaabe peoples, which are all, you know, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, from Native peoples from that area and stuff. But as far as people who come to the powwow, we've had people that would make it over every year. They did for 12 years until their uh, uh, sponsor or their friend who they knew here had passed away, but they've came all the way from Germany every wow. year. Uh, we've had Tibetan monks that came specifically to come to the to the sweat lodge and to see and witness and learn uh, the things that we teach 
And it was actually, that uh, that was a quite interesting one to find out how many connections are similar between uh, the Buddhist traditions and the Native American traditions. Who can come to a Swetch Lodge? I guess in my mind it would be only people who are Native American. Not not in Mankato. Okay, let's talk about that. So, so let's say somebody wants to know what that experience is about. Okay. What, do, what do they need to do? Well, first off, uh, the, the Sweat Lodge is the church uh, of the Native American people. And uh, their religion is more of a spiritual religion than what we would consider a uh, organized religion and, and like that. So um, if people wanted to come to the sweat lodge, the first thing they would do is this, we set up the sweat lodge down by the boat landing. And so you would come and you would ask one of the people who are there, uh, you'd say, I, I would like to join this sweat lodge tonight. And, and they would then introduce you to uh, what needs to be done and stuff. Now, uh, we do ask that you be sober for four days before and then four days after the sweat. And this has to do with uh, not just Native traditions, but many different traditions that say you should not participate in a ceremony if you're under the influence of different Anything. things sure. yeah so um and at one time it, it used to be like uh, you couldn't even take your prescriptions but now that everyone's got older it's yeah <laughs> go ahead take your prescription yeah. <laughs> we want we still want you in the lodge <laughs> so um yeah you would come to the lodge and, and come earlier in the you know so like, what what time is that and when for people i would i would say if you wanted to join the evening lodge uh, you'd come around four o'clock and meet with the people because we're gonna. Is this sit, on Friday? Uh, this would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Both, both all three. Okay. Right. I I would not uh, unless somebody has already been to a sweat lodge. Uh, I would not suggest going to the sweat for the thirty-eight. It is a very tough hard sweat it is what we what does that mean tough and hard it is a, I mean what you it's talk intense. about what what you know it, uh, it's hot oh okay very hot. Um, in fact, uh, if we do it, as we've done it sometimes, it's what we call a veteran sweat. You'll have a big five-gallon bucket of water. We'll bring in 38 rocks that are about, oh, at least uh, 10 to 12 inches in diameter. They set in the fire for four, five, six hours until they're glowing hot. They, you, they get brought into the lodge, and then the lodge door comes down, and if it's a veteran sweat, like the sweat for the 38, they'll take that whole bucket and dump it right on top of the rocks, which then immediately turns to steam, and uh, it can get so hot that it feels like your skin is peeling. Wow. Uh, you, yeah, so the so like I say, that's not a good one for your first try. <laughs> so the purpose is, is to, it's part of the, the spiritual? It's the cleansing. Okay. The, the, the anipe, which is their word for sweat lodge, um, is one of the seven rituals that came down from white buffalo calf woman. Okay, and it's the the anipe is the purification ceremony, and so you would do you would do a, a, a anipe before you would go to your powwow and dance. Dancing itself is a form of prayer. Every time your foot hits the ground, that's reminding you your prayer is being heard by the Earth Mother, and and stuff. And when they dance, they have a very colorful and and decorated costumes. What's the significance of that? 
Well, the costumes themselves uh, have to do with the type of uh, medicine and the type of uh, family or okay. you know association that they come with. Uh, there are jingle dress uh, yeah, dancers. Those. There are grass dancers. There is traditional dancers. Uh, there's fancy dancers, and so there's there's all these different types. And um, you know, people will dance all of the different ones, but you're supposed to learn one of them really well. And uh, and actually, that's how I got my name, Little Bear, from Amos, was because he said I danced the bear dance real oh. well. <laughs> Wonderful. We are talking with Dan Zilski, the vice chair of the Mankato Powwow, which starts on Friday and goes through Saturday and Sunday in the Land of Memories Park in Mankato. Very significant event that's been done since 1972. I want to thank you for coming in. How do people get admittance, entrance to the event? Do you need to have tickets ahead of time? Do you buy them at the gate, or what happens? Well, you buy these buttons okay, at the buttons, gate. Okay, buttons, okay. And uh, the button will get you in for the whole weekend. Uh, we charge $7 uh, for the button. Uh, and it's for the course, entire weekend. And it goes for the entire weekend and uh, uh, and stuff. So um, that's basically you come in and we'll park, have you park, and we'll take you to the gate. You can get your button. and So you get the button on site when you get there. When you get there, yep, yep. Some people could uh, go out and get it early. Uh, we haven't been selling... Early, we didn't get to sell early buttons this year because, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, our first round of buttons had the wrong date on them. Oh, no. So we had to reorder. Okay. <laughs> um, any issues for COVID-19, a mask, anything like that? Uh, well, we do ask that you are vaccinated uh, if if you are coming and, uh, and stuff. And, you know, we, we would suggest to elders and to people who are vulnerable to also wear a mask. Sure. Uh, and, and stuff um, to help protect the the more vulnerable people that are there because these are healing prayers and this is a healing ceremony. We're healing from the tragedies that happened in 1862 uh, here with this Wachipi and stuff. So we we want to make sure that people that come can stay safe. You know, social distance the best you can. Sure. Again, like I say, the best you can right. uh, and things. But uh, that's really what, you know, that's what we're asking for this year. Okay. Well, this has been wonderful. You've informed me of so many different things that I didn't know you. Just a wealth of information. Dan Zilski, the vice chair of the Mankato Powwow. I hope people can get out there and check it out. The Land of Memories Park, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. You are welcome.